Hi, this is Dave Olson. I'm the senior leader of Heartland Church located in Ankeny, Iowa. I hope the following message challenges, encourages, and ultimately changes you. Thanks for joining us. If you would turn with me to 2 Kings chapter 4 very quickly, I'm going to preach from my phone. For some reason, my phone is not backing up on my iPad or my, my laptop, so I'm going to show you I can read small print like Bill Culver. So 2 Kings chapter 4. Last week, Paul Yudal was with us, and Paul preached out of verses 1 through 7. I'm going to pick up in verse 8, and uh, we're going to return to that, that message that Paul preached. There's some things that I believe the Lord has more for us out of that passage that I want to cover at a, at a later time. But the Lord really gripped me this week in verse 8. And I just want to read through this short story about the Shunammite woman. And uh, I'm going to read it, the whole thing, make a few comments and send you home. So 2 Kings chapter 4 verse 8. One day Elisha went to Shunam. And a well-to-do woman was there who urged him to stay for a meal. So whenever he came by, he stopped there to eat. She said to her husband, I know that this man who often comes our way is a holy man of God. Let's make a small room on the roof and put put in it a bed, a table, a chair, and a lamp for him. Then he can stay there whenever he comes to us. Verse 11, one day when Elisha came, he went up to his room his room, and lay down there. He said to his servant Gehazi, call the Shunammite. I love how he calls her the Shunammite. He says, call the Shunammite. So he called her and she stood before him. Elisha said to him, tell her you have gone to all this trouble for us. Now what can be done for you? Can we speak on your behalf to the king or the commander of the army? She replied, I have a home among my own people. What can be done for her? Elisha asked. Gehazi said, She has no son, and her husband is old. Verse 15. Then Elisha said, call her. So he called her, and she stood in the doorway, and about this time, he said to her, about this time next year, you will hold a son in your arms. No, my Lord, she objected. Please, man of God, don't mislead your servant. Verse 17. But the woman became pregnant, and the next year, about the same time, she gave birth to a son, just as Elisha had told her. Verse 18, the child grew, and one day he went out to his father, who was with the reapers. He said to his father, my head, my head. His father told the servant, carry him to his mother. After the servant had lifted him up and carried him to his mother, the boy sat on her lap until noon, and then he died. She went up and laid him on the bed of the man of God, then shut the door and went out. She called her husband and said, Please send me one of the servants and a donkey so I can go to the man of God quickly in return. Why go to him today, he said. It's not the new moon or the Sabbath. That's all, that's all right, she said. She didn't even tell her husband what's going on. She saddled the donkey and said to her servant, Lead on, don't slow down for me unless I tell you. So she set out and came to the man of God at Mount Carmel. When he saw her in the distance, the man of God said to Gehazi, Look, there's the Shunammite. Run to meet her and ask her, are you all right? Is your husband all right? Is your child all right? Everything is all right, she said. Verse 27. 
When she reached the man of God at the mountain, she took hold of his feet. Gehazi came over to push her away, but the man of God said, Leave her alone. She is in bitter distress, and the Lord has hidden it from me for which, as to, uh, and has not told me why. Did I ask you for a son, she said, my Lord? Didn't I tell you, don't raise my hopes? Elisha said to Gehazi, Tuck your cloak into your belt, take my staff in your hand, and run. Don't greet anyone you meet, and if anyone greets you, do not answer. Lay my staff on the boy's face. Verse 30, but the child's mother said, as surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So he got up and followed her. I love that so. His response was contingent upon hers. Verse 31, Gehazi went on ahead and laid the staff on the boy's face, but there was no sound or response. So Gehazi went back to meet Elisha and told him, the boy is not awakened. Verse 32, when Elisha reached the house, there was a boy lying dead on the couch. He went in, shut the door between, on the two of them, and prayed to the Lord. Then he got on the bed, lay on the boy, mouth to mouth, eyes to eyes, hands to hand. And as he stretched himself out on him, the boy's body grew warm. Elisha turned away, walked back and forth in the room, and then got on the bed and stretched out on him once more. The boy sneezed seven times and opened his eyes. Elisha summoned Gehazi and said, Call the Shunammite. And he did. When she came, he said, Take your son. She came in, fell at his feet, and bowed to the ground, and then she took her son and went out. And that is a powerful passage of Scripture. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. And Lord, I pray in these next few moments left, Lord, that you would speak to us, encourage us, strengthen us, and provoke us. Lord, let us be like the Shunammite woman. Lord, we want to have a a room on the roof for you. Lord, we want to be those who accommodate your presence. And Lord, we want to be those who tenaciously return to that room when crisis hits. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, there are seven times in Scripture where there are resurrections. That's not including the mass resurrection after Jesus' uh, resurrection. There's seven resurrections. Of course, Jesus is one of those. The other six, there are three of them that are directly tied to mothers petitioning the men of God. Then there's another one where two sisters petitioned Jesus. So women were very involved in resurrections in Scripture. And this is one of the, the most famous passages. There's also one where Elisha's mentor, Elijah, raises another woman's son from the dead. And it's interesting, if you look at these two passages, these were women who served the prophet. These prophets represented what God was doing in that day and age. It represented the move of God, the presence of God. And so this woman, this Shunammite woman, as she is called by Elisha, when she saw what was on Elisha's life, she said, I want that in my house. And so she began to feed it, the move of God, it being him. She began to feed him, and then she made accommodations for him. She restructured her house. She literally built a room on the house to accommodate the move of God. This other woman that was ministering to Elijah, she took the last of her food, 
Um, her and her son, she was a widow woman, and she fed Elijah, and her son died. Both of these women fed the prophetic move of God. Both of them were attacked through the death of their children, and both of them found their children resurrected. Now, we're not going to preach on this this morning, but let me just throw it in your hopper to think about in coming days, and you can, you can give this some thought, but there's something about those that come alongside the prophetic move of God, the attack on the next generation and their families. But there's also something about these women that laid hold of the man of God in faith, and God resurrected that thing. And I want to encourage you, there are parents in this room today who are deeply concerned about your children. They need resurrected spiritually. And you need to understand that part of the attack against your children is because if you came alongside the prophetic move of God. The answer is not to back off. The answer is to press in deeper and see the resurrection that you so desperately need. God will answer your prayer. So I want to look at this woman, this Shunammite woman, and uh, we don't have time to get into this. I'm just going to kind of lay the groundwork, and God willing, we'll get into this next week. But let's look at verse 8. One day when Elisha went to Shunem, one day he went to Shunem, and a well-to-do woman was there. That word doesn't simply mean that she was well off financially. It can mean that. It doesn't necessarily mean that. But it does, does mean that she was a woman of prestige, respect, and influence in that region. And it says that she, when she, a well-to-do woman, met Elisha or saw him, she urged him to stay for a meal. And so she wanted to feed the move of God. There was something about this woman that wanted to be in on what God was doing. Now, there are a lot of people who don't recognize a move of God when it walks right past them. Do you understand that? There are people that do not recognize something of God when it walks right in front of their nose. She was not one of those people. She was a woman who recognized the hand of God on this man. And because of that, she wanted him there. But it's not good enough just to recognize. Because there are people who recognize the move of God, but they're not hungry enough to put forth effort to do something about it. She was hungry to have him in her house. And so she began to feed him. But recognition and hunger isn't enough. What she wanted, she didn't want him simply to come by and drop by for a meal. Listen to what she said. She told her husband, let's build a room so that whenever he comes by, he may stay. Look at verse, what is it, verse 10. Let's make a small room on the roof, put a bed in it, a table and a chair and a lamp. Then he can stay there whenever he comes to us. She was wanting more than a visitation. She wanted habitation. She wanted to build something to accommodate his visit. You see, someone can recognize the move of God but not be hungry enough to pursue it. Someone can recognize it, be hungry enough to pursue it, but when it comes down to it, not pay the price to accommodate it. But there was something about this woman that was willing to literally restructure her house. Now, as a pastor, I am, I could even say painfully aware of what it takes to accommodate, to restructure the house, to make room for the move of God. We have got to make room for God to move. It's not a matter of just having a desire. It's not a matter of, well, if we want it, you know, God will make the choice when he wants to. No. The Lord is looking for hungry people. This idea of a sovereign move of God, there is a sovereign element, but God delegates much of his sovereignty to us. He's looking for those who will cry out, Son of David, do not pass me by. 
He's looking for those who are hungry enough to restructure their house. And because of that, what happened with this woman, she restructured her house. She literally, they built on so that she could accommodate the move of God. And in so doing, what happened is something began to brew inside of her. Now, when Elisha called her in, he said, bring the Shunammite woman. I, I, I find it funny how he'd refer to her. I was like, bring that Iowan woman in here. Bring her. He didn't ever call her by name. Bring the Iowan in here. Or bring that Ankeny lady in here. And he would always refer to her that way. And so he comes off as a bit gruff, but she appears in the door. And he doesn't even talk directly to her. He talks to Gehazi to talk to her. Tell her, you know, ask her, is there anything we can do for you? And she answers and she says, I have a home among my people. She's saying I'm taken care of. But Gehazi defines a problem that she won't even give words to. It was both a desire, it was a destiny, but it was also a problem that she wouldn't even own because of the pain in her own heart. She had a home, she had a people, but what she didn't have is a child. She didn't have a son. And it goes on that Gehazi mentions, and her husband is old. The reason he's mentioning that is her husband was getting along in years, and when he died, she would have no one to care for her. She lived among her people. She had a home, but she needed a next generation to invest in so that this family line would be carried on and someone would take care of her when her husband was dead. And so, as we know from this passage, Elisha says, about a year from now, you're going to be holding a baby boy. And what does she say? She said, listen... There was pain in her heart. She said, no. Her response to the prophetic word of the Lord was no. But then the next verse says, but she became pregnant. Even though she wasn't surrendered to it out of her own pain. And we know this later on because when her son dies, she hightails it on a donkey. She tells the servant, don't slow down for me. She's riding fast to get to the man of God, and she grabs his feet, and what does she say? She says, did I ask you for this, son? I told you not to get my hopes up. Even though she didn't say that in this passage, she said it later on, and she insinuates it in her words to Elisha. She said, no, my Lord. She didn't want to get her hopes up. There's something about the move of God. When you begin to accommodate the presence of God in your life, all of a sudden, you will hear your desires come out of the mouth of prophetic people. Even things that you won't put words to will come out of their mouths, and they'll begin to speak to those desires and those needs in your heart. And she had to deal with the pain in her heart. She had to overcome that in order to own this thing because God had a plan for this family. And so the word of the Lord was, you're going to give birth to a son. And sure enough, within a year, she was holding a baby boy. It's an interesting thing. If you look in this passage, Elisha's prophetic word was, you will hold a son. Then we see when her son dies, she was holding her son as he died. And when he's resurrected, Elisha invites her in and he says, now take your son. Literally in the Hebrew, it's pick up your son. And so there's this thing of the mother holding the son all through these seasons of this scenario that God is orchestrating. There was something about the faith of this woman pulling the move of God into her home that gave rise to these dormant desires that she had given up on. 
And she gave birth to a son. I can't read passages like this without thinking of our women's ministry. Matter of fact, we were in a prayer meeting last night. And like most prayer meetings, there were more women than there were men. Much to our shame, gentlemen. There were more women than men. And one little bold prayer warrior prayed out, God, on Mother's Day, it would be fitting for you to move on Mother's Day. There was a move on Father's Day at Pensacola. We want to move on Mother's Day here. And Lord, you know the women are the ones that are at the prayer meetings and often the men don't enter in. And I'm thinking, oh, that's true. <laughs> Ladies, you have often led the way into what we go into in this house. By the way, when you mentioned that, that was, that was right on track with what the Lord was saying. Often the ladies have led the way in the move of God. Matter of fact, uh, when uh, de Havilland was with us recently, the move of God on that Sunday morning was a very significant thing. It was more than just a special speaker. She was... I always love when you go in and speak at a church you don't know about and you start pulling things out of the air and everybody's laughing and you're not sure if you're, you're, it's, you know, you're so missing that they're laughing at you or if you're just calling out the obvious that you don't know and it's a confirmation and that's what she was doing. She was calling out so many things in the air. That visit of de Havilland was a very significant uh, visit for this church and there was something that broke loose that morning that we're still experiencing right now. And that was because it was a women's conference. Often the women will break the way for us into things. And guys, we need to take that as a challenge. We need, that needs to provoke us to something. But again and again, you see that, and you see it. This is not a new thing. It's not like that's unique to Heartland. This is all down through history. We see it in this passage. It wasn't the elderly husband that recognized what was on the man and said, I want that in my house. It was the wife. And she recognized that and she talked him into spending a great deal of money to build a room and to furnish a room so that they could house the man of God. And when that happened, all of a sudden these dormant desires began to burst forth. I've seen it so many times. I tell people when they start to come here, I tell them, get ready for your gift to be stirred up. When John and Emily came and met with me the first time and they said, hey, we feel like God's called us to this church. I said, John, you wait. I said, just get ready for your prophetic gift to begin to ramp up because of what's in this house. There's something about that, that fertile environment of the spirit that will begin to stir things up in people's lives. Your destiny will begin to come to the forefront. And that's what happened in this woman's life. And she gave birth to a son. Something that she didn't dare dream of. And then what happens? There was an opposition to the destiny on that little boy's life. The very thing that caused a new birth also drew in opposition. Because the the room on the roof, the upper room if you will, the church that builds an upper room, the home that, that restructures to accommodate the move of God will attract both the favor of God and it will attract the opposition of the enemy. And we've got to understand both of those dynamics at all times. And we've got to be prepared to deal with both. The favor of God came to this house. Elisha asked her, he said, do you want us to talk to the king or to some general on your behalf? Because you're housing me, there's going to be favor on your life with high-ranking people is what he was saying. And she said, no, I don't need that. And he spoke to the hidden desire of her heart. She gave birth. 
Every Mother's Day, I think about this whole thing of, I, I love the video we just saw, by the way, of the, just that warrior mentality in, in the, the women and owning who they are. Your ability to give birth to children. I love how Jim Gaffigan, the comedian, says it. He said, a woman is an amazing thing. They can make a baby in their body. Then they can deliver a baby through their body. And then they can feed a baby with their body. It's an amazing thing. That is not merely a physical thing. Men and women, our gender is spirit, soul, and body. When God made humanity, he took Adam, he blew his life into him, and then he separated the feminine out of Adam. He took that component out of him. And that was spirit, soul, and body. And ladies, that thing that you carry, that ability to birth children, that's why prayer meetings all down through history have largely been women in prayer. Now, we need, that doesn't let us off the hook, guys. We need to be there. We need to be with our shoulders to the plow. We need to be working and tilling the ground, and we need to be going to war, uh, and that's part of who we are. But there's a natural inclination to giving birth to things in the Spirit in women. And that's what we see played out here. This woman had given birth to this child once, and she was about to give birth to him again. She, was, she rode hard to get, lay hold of the man of God because she needed a breakthrough. And she knew the place that affected this birth is the place where I'm going to find the answer. It is not a coincidence that when that little boy died, she didn't lay him in, her, in the master bedroom of the house. She didn't lay him in her little bedroom. She climbed up to the roof, the room on the roof, the upper room, and she laid that little boy's body in the prophet's chamber on that bed because she knew that's where the fertility was. That is where the word of the Lord came to me. That's where the presence of God resides, and that's where I'm going to put this child before, before the Lord. And then she went to Mark Carmel so that the prophet could pray. And we see that resurrection happen. I just want to encourage you ladies. There is a natural inclination towards spiritual authority and bringing life where dead things are. And that is your destiny. I, that, that video, I didn't see it before this morning. But it sums up who you really are. And God wants to unleash that on the world. And even for this lady, it's, it's a beautiful thing that her husband was getting along in years. They were, they, the implication is they were both largely past those years, much like Sarah. But there's something about the moving of the Spirit. It says your old men, your old women will dream dreams. There's something about the move of God. Let me put it this way. There's something about the human condition as we get later on in years. We begin to look back rather than look forward. We look back at and, and memories of all the things that God has done. And, and there's a tendency for us to become conservative in our thinking. Tom Skinner, back in the 60s, had this phrase. He said, yesterday's radical is today's conservative. They're so concerned about conserving the gains of yesterday's radicalism that they can't 
afford to be radical anymore. But there's something about the move of God that makes us radical again and causes us to look towards the future. So I want to encourage you ladies, you have a role in this house. We are indebted to you. That the, Most of the things that we've broken into, those of you that have been around for a long time, back in 2000, 2003, 2004, it was largely uh, a lot of the women that went, went in fasting and prayer that began to give birth to things. And so we want to honor you this morning. I'm going to ask you to stand. I want to just pray over you this morning, bless you. I want to give the, the men a lot of time this afternoon to wait on their wives. Amen. But ladies, that was a perfect opportunity for a hearty amen. So I would take advantage of that. So let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for this day. And Lord, we thank you for all that you've done this morning. Lord, we, we thank you for the celebration of our children. Lord, we thank you for the celebration of adoption, our partnership in this. Lord, we thank you for our wives and mothers and the women in this house. Lord, I thank you for those who have given, given birth to physical children and those who haven't, Lord. Lord, we thank you for what you put in the women to serve your purposes, Lord. And Lord, we ask that you would bless them today. In Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to our podcast. If you'd like to help more people hear this message, you can get the word out by subscribing and sharing it on social media. If you'd like to support the ministries of Heartland Church, you can do so at heartlandchurchonline.com give.